we have been looking at the book of Jeremiah, or we will be looking at the book of Jeremiah. Recently, we have uh, just been viewing uh, Israel's situation. I've uh, challenged you to read through the book of Jeremiah. I hope that you'll do that. But the reason we need the background of Jeremiah is because it's a very, very difficult book to read unless you completely understand the background. The reason is God is going to judge this people. It's a severe judgment. There's nothing pleasant about it. It's difficult. And yet, God has promised. God has promised with all his glory and honor that he will bless them. Now, we started last week, and we looked at, if I may uh, look at one of these overhead projections, please. Uh, last week, we were, when we were together, we saw that God had called a man named Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldees. In this particular area right here, God had called him. Instead of traveling right to the promised land, which was the land of Israel, the land of Canaan, he traveled up to Haran here. Eventually his father died, and he took his uh, nephew Lot and his wife and his possessions, and they moved down right into this area of Canaan, right here, Canaan, the land of Canaan. In the land of Canaan, God blessed him. Uh, God used him mightily, and God gave him the land promise. Remember, please, and this is so important because you'll get yourself all confused in the process, that God always promised to the nation of Israel physical blessings. We are never, as New Testament Christians, promised physical blessings. Why? Well, because all our blessings are in Christ. Be content with such things as you have, Paul Timothy. Paul told Timothy. Paul told Timothy that he was hungry. Paul? Hungry? That doesn't sound very nice. Well, God never promised him earthly blessings. He promised him hardship, difficulty in this present world, but he promised him glory. God told the nation of Israel, I'll give you a land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and you know the whole text of that. I'll bless you, but the promise of Messiah was always before them. In you shall all the nations of the world be blessed. God was going to send them the great Messiah. And we're going to see that through the book of Jeremiah, the promise of blessing, the promise of a blessing. So God uh, used in specific manners. He used Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob, of course, was the father of the 12 tribes of Israel, and they ended up in here in the land of Goshen, in the land of Goshen. As they were in the land of Goshen, uh, they uh, grew, they multiplied in Egypt. Uh, God blessed them mightily, and then there arose a pharaoh in Egypt that knew not Joseph. Now, God had promised all this to Abraham, remember, uh, prior to that. Uh, your, your seed will be a sojourner in a land that is not theirs, and they'll serve them 400 years. And following the 400 years, I will pull you out of that land with a mighty possession. And so God is going to fulfill this through Moses. God, in fact, does fulfill it through Moses in that the people of the land, the people of the land are taken out by Moses, by a mighty hand of God, they cross the Red Sea here, and they're supposed to come up into this area, this small area here of Kadesh Barnea, and go directly into the land, but of course they do not. 
They reject God. Uh, God said, go in. They said, we're not going in. There's a place of giants. Uh, they, they would not go in. Then God said, you cannot go in. I have a judgment for you. And so God brought them into this area, actually all the way down here into what we know to be Sinai, this, uh, Mount Sinai in the southern half of that land of Egypt. And God brought them all down into there after rescuing them from the, uh, from the, uh, from the Egyptians through the colossal uh, deluge of the Red Sea upon the Egyptian armies. God brought them into Mount Sinai, and that's where we want to pick it up. Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 5 for a moment. Remember, Moses has been rehearsing the whole story. Now, where are they at the time Moses is rehearsing the story? They are up on what we know to be the eastern side of the Dead Sea. They're up on the eastern side of the Dead Sea, and Moses is recounting the whole uh, story of their life, how they had rejected, their fathers had rejected God, that God promised them a land flowing with milk and honey, and they would not, and, and Moses is rehearsing the whole process with them. They're right up in this area. They're on the... Uh, uh, the eastern side of the Dead Sea, waiting to go into the land of, of Israel. Remember, Moses was forbidden to go in. Joshua was going to lead the men. We're in Deuteronomy chapter 5 now, please. Look with me at verse 22, and I will read. <clears throat> Deuteronomy chapter 5 and in verse 22. These are the words which the Lord spoke unto all your assembly in the mount, out of the midst of the fire of the cloud, and of the thick darkness with a great voice, and he added no more. And he wrote them on two tables of stone and delivered them unto me, the Ten Commandments. Verse 23, and it came to pass, when you heard the voice out of the midst of the darkness of the mountain did burn with fire, that you came near unto me and all the heads of your tribes and your elders. And you said, Behold, the Lord our God has shown unto us his glory and his greatness, and we have heard his voice out of the midst of the fire. We have seen this day that the Lord doth talk with man and that he liveth. So they recognize he's God, he's fully God. It's about time. <clears throat> about time this sunk in. Remember, these are the young people now that from age 21 and under had, <coughs> 21 and over had died in the process in, these, uh, in the desert up in this area. They had died now. They're prepared to honor God. We're prepared to go into the land. Um, verse uh, 25, now therefore, why should we die? For this great fire will consume us if we hear the voice of the Lord our God any more than we shall die. For who is there of all flesh who hath heard the voice of the living God speaking out in the midst of the fire as we have and lived? Go near and hear all that the Lord our God shall say, and speak unto us all that the Lord our God will speak unto thee, and we will hear it, and we will do it. Remember, the, the contracted, the covenant people of God. God's going to make a contract with these people. No such contract exists among born-again believers. No such. You're his son by faith. There's no, you didn't sign a contract. God didn't sign a contract. The pledge was given by the Lord Jesus Christ. It's, it's a non-conditional contract. Believe on him and you will be saved. 
but recognize what's going on now. We'll do it. We'll. And the Lord heard the voice of your words when you spoke unto me. And the Lord said unto me, I have heard the voice of his words of this people, which they have spoken unto thee. They have well said all that they have spoken. So God said, that sounds good. However, oh, that there were such a heart in them that they would fear me and keep all my commandments always, that it might be well with them and with their children forever. Go and say unto them, get you unto your tents again. But as for thee, stand thou here by me, and I will speak unto thee all the commandments and the statutes and the ordinances which thou shalt teach them, that they may do them in the land which I give unto them. Again, note the land. Ye sh shall observe to do, therefore, as the Lord your God hath commanded you, ye may not turn to the right hand or to the left. You shall walk in all, your way, in all the ways which the Lord your God hath commanded you, that you may live, and that you may, it may be well with you, and that you may prolong your days in the land which you shall possess. So again, the land covenant, the land contract is there. The blessing is there. Messiah will be part of their heritage. The blessing is there. A blessing will be there if they obey God's word. If they don't, judgment will come upon them. If they don't, then that judgment will come. Now, God's part, we won't turn there, but in Deuteronomy chapter 26, 11, 26, God promises the kids, the cattle, and of course the crops. They're all promises. But God tells them, in Deuteronomy chapter 27, please, if you'd go there with me, Deuteronomy chapter 27, Moses rehearses with them, when they get into the land, there's going to be a signing of a contract. There's going to be a signing of a contract. It will not be necessarily a literal contract that is on paper and, and uh, they're signing it by hand, but this will be a verbal contract which they will swear unto the Lord their God. And we find that in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 27, verses 9 through 13. Follow along with me, please. And Moses and the priests and the Levites spoke unto all Israel, saying, Take heed and hearken, O Israel, that this day thou art become the people of the Lord thy God. Thou shalt therefore obey the voice of the Lord thy God, and do his commandments and his statutes, uh, which I command thee this day. And Moses charged the people the same day, saying, These shall stand upon Mount Gerizim to bless the people when you are come out of the Jordan, Simeon and Levi and so forth. Uh, verse uh, 13, And these shall stand upon Mount Ebal to curse Reuben, Gad, Asher, and so forth. And the Levite shall speak and say unto all the men of the tribe of Israel with a loud voice, Cursed be the man who makes any graven image. So what I want to instruct you with or show you here is once they get into the land of Israel under Joshua, they are in fact going to go, they're going to conquer the place that we know, of course. Once they cross the river, they'll go in and, and they'll take the fortresses here, but then they'll make their way up here to Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim right here. And there, Joshua is going to uh, have them divide up into the 12 tribes, six on each side. And what they're going to do is the, uh, uh, 
one section is going to say, blessed is the man who walks in the integrity of the Lord, keeps his commandments, so forth and so on. And the other, man, other group is going to repeat by saying, cursed is the man who does not walk in the integrity of the Lord. So there's going to be this swearing back and forth, blessed, cursed, blessed, cursed. And that's the contract that they're signing. Now, Mo, uh, Joshua does lead the people into land. I just wanted to show you this by way of, of this uh, map, if I could, please. This is the land of Palestine. It's kind of a topography of the land. They're right up in here, right up in this area. Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim, very sharp mountain sides. The people to stand on those sides and yell back and forth. And we understand from the text that they could hear one another give the blessings and the cursings. Now, why was that? Well, because they're now going to enter into the promised land or they have entered into the promised land when this takes place. And uh, this was fulfilled in Joshua chapter 8, by the way. And under that, the people were to take all of the land that God had promised to them. You recall all the way back uh, when we looked at uh, what happened under, Moses, under um, Abraham. They were going to own the land, and we presume, we do not know for sure, but we presume they were going to own the land from the Nile River. Some think there's a small river in here, and he meant that river. We do not know that. But from the Nile River all the way over to uh, what we know to be the Euphrates River, and all the way north up into this area, which is present-day Syria, they were to take all that land and own all that land. Now, under Joshua, they, they conquered most of the land. They conquered everything that Joshua set out to conquer, but they never entirely conquered the whole land, and they never completely chased out all of the inhabitants of the land. They never really followed God's command. So what happened? Well, God, of course, began to work with this people in this land of Israel. He began to work with the people. He began to work with the people, and the land was divided up into what we know to be the 12 tribes of Israel, to be the 12 tribes of Israel. The, 12, the tribes are mentioned here. The area is mentioned here. God was blessing the people under Joshua and under the elders that Joshua uh, left behind, but Israel began to rebel against God, and they... Uh, God led them through prophets. God led them uh, through judges, Samuel being the last judge. The people wanted a king. They wanted a king, just like the other nations round about them. And this, of course, this displeased, uh, displeased Samuel horribly. He was smitten by the whole thing. He wept and he cried. And God said, they have not rejected you, sir. They have rejected me from ruling over them. They want a king like other nations. You tell them what it's going to be like. And Samuel, of course, went through the whole process of that. And we won't uh, look that over, but you'll find that in chapter 8 of uh, Samuel, 1 Samuel. So they, they got a king. They got the best-looking, biggest, tallest king they could get, and his name was King Saul. He was not a good king. He was a warrior, and he did fight some battles and won some battles for the nation of Israel, but he disobeyed God and the throne was taken from him. 
And of course, this enters into the kings and the chronicles and Samuel. And as you, as you flush through this, you see the whole event take place. The second king they got was a man named David, a man after God's own heart. Under, under that uh, man, David, of course, the Psalms were written, but the Davidic covenant was given that David would always have an heir on the throne of the nation of Israel. He would always have that the, under the Davidic covenant. David was a great man, a wonderful man. I, I look forward to meeting David one day, but David fell prey to his fleshly lusts and, in fact, destroyed the kingdom of Israel in his day. His son took over the kingdom, his son, of course, being Solomon, the third king of the nation of Israel. He had a very uh, wonderful start under his uh, leadership, the nation was the mightiest nation on the face of the earth. Nations came from all over to pay tribute. Remember, the Queen of Sheba came. And when she saw all the glory of Israel, not only was he rich in horses, not only did he have great uh, fortresses all over the place, but he had the ships that ruled the Mediterranean Sea, the ships of Kittim. Incredible, incredible man with incredible power. He fell prey to his own flesh. And in the days of Solomon, God said the kingdom will be divided. And the kingdom was, in fact, divided under Rehoboam, Solomon's son. And as the kingdom was divided, ten tribes went to the north. Now, again, I'm not going to take a great deal of time with this, but ten tribes went up to the north. And what was left down here was the little tribe of Judah, uh, uh, Simeon was in here, but Simeon had since left and was taken into captivity, apparently by the Egyptians. But all that was left was the tribe of Judah and a little half-tribe of Benjamin. So we had two tribes to the south and the ten tribes to the north. Right from the beginning, the tribes of the north under Jeroboam were wicked men. Some made a vain attempt at following the Lord, but they never really completed that. All the kings of the ten tribes of the north were wicked men in the like of Ahab. And God sent prophets to them. And we're going to see this in our study of Jeremiah, because God said, I sent men unto you, and you're going to read this when you read, rising up early. Have you read that yet? Rising up early and sending them. Rising up early and sending them again. Rising up early and sending them. Why? He was warning the people. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. They continued on in the north. In the south, there were some godly kings that we're thankful for. Jehoshaphat. There were others. We're thankful for these men. But they weren't all completely... Uh, faithful to the Lord, and we're going to see some of that as we move through. But as we look at this, we see that uh, God was beginning uh, to, to, to form his people Israel. Now, there were some, his people in Judah, there were some kings that um, Israel, uh, Judah got involved with up in the north place here. Remember what happened is, up in this area is where a uh, Jeroboam set up idols, and the whole place fell into Baal worship. And you know, of course, Elisha, Elijah going before uh, the kings, uh, Elijah first. Uh, 
confronting Je uh, Jezebel and the prophets of Baal um, completely, completely without regard. They left the prophet. Uh, they, they, in some cases, they, they left some Baal worship and then went right back to it. So the north was in complete disarray. God uh, supernaturally and very, very sovereignly allowed the entire northern tribe to fall in uh, to the Assyrian uh, conquest. So all the tribes of the north were fell into Assyrian conquest, and they were, in fact, uh, dissipated, brought throughout the known world, scattered, so that only a very few of the Jews remained. So what we have left now is the last two tribes in, in uh, what we know to be Judah, uh, called by the namesake. The northern tribe was called Israel, sometimes referred to as Ephraim, from one of the main tribes up in the north. But this tribe of Judah that remained is where now Jeremiah is sent. So go with me, please, to the book of a Jeremiah for a moment. We're going to the book of Jeremiah now. Now, does that make sense? Do we see that God said he would bring judgment for disobedience? The people swore that, did they not, on Ebal and Gerizim? They would be blessed if they honored God, they would be cursed if they did not. We're going to see what's left now of this tribe and the cursings that are going to come upon them. But I want you to see God still has his ancient people in his heart. He's still warning them. Jeremiah is going to minister for somewhere around 40 years of ministry warning the people, warning the people. And what's he warning about? The, the Chaldeans, or what we know to be the Babylonians, they're coming. they're coming. If you don't obey, they're coming. Just as sure as you're standing here, they're going to come. You need to obey the Lord. You need to forsake your ways. And so in the book of Jeremiah, we're going to see the promise of judgment coming, but also the promise of blessing through Messiah to come. The everlasting covenant wonderful, wonderful to see. But this people, this nation, is going to have to go through some very, very difficult times. And we'll see that as we uh, move through. So remember when you're reading through, who's God talking to? He's talking to his people, Israel. It's not you. He's talking to the nation of Israel. Is it, is it for us? Yes, it is. Are we going to make application? Of course we are. But it's not to us. That is, it's not a letter written to us as a warning. This is for the nation of Israel, it's to the nation of Israel, and it's for us to glean from. Whatever things were written in earlier times were written for our learning. We learn through this, do we not? Listen, God is not fooling around. He says what he means, and he means exactly what he says. And it would behoove us to listen to what God says. And so we have uh, this wonderful, wonderful book that we're going to take some time. I mentioned last week that this poor man, this, this man in such a difficult, difficult position was not allowed to go to funerals. He was not allowed. You'll see that in chapter 16. He was not allowed to go to weddings. He was not allowed to be part of weddings, even into the celebration of a wedding. Why? God 
was not fooling around. God meant what he said. There's going to be no joy when Nebuchadnezzar comes. They'll be as if they were not married at all. They'll be killed and separated and slain, married couples. He was not to enjoy weddings. He was not to go to funerals and mourn. Why was that? Because God had said this would come, and if you do not obey him, this is what will come. Remember the two sons of um, Aaron, Nadab and Abihu. Same thing happened. It don't kindle strange fire. You make sure you keep and do exactly what I said. His two sons went in, kindled strange fire, and they were uh, a, a fire leaped out of this little tiny uh, altar of uh, incense, and it consumed the both of them. Now, this we're talking about what we would call today a, a slow match. <laughs> there was not much to this little tiny fire of incense, about a foot square, but the fire leaped out and consumed both of them. And God said to Aaron, don't you cry. I told them not to do that. Just imagine, folks. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. When God says rejection of the Lord Jesus Christ will lead someone into eternal damnation, that's where they're going. When God says that they'll burn and suffer torment in hell forever, that's what's going to happen. We, we shudder at that. We think, well, God's showing us what he says is true, what his word says is true, and he will follow through both in his promises and in his judgment. In his promises to us, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never, no, never perish. That's us. But it's judgment on those who know not Christ. No wonder he tells us to go out and tell them about the Savior. Go out and tell them. And so we're going to begin the book of Jeremiah. And I'm only going to be able to pick highlights out, please. So help me here. We're in Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 1. The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, of the priests that are in Anathoth, in the land of Benjamin to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the 13th year of his reign. Now, we'll stop right there for a moment. Um, we do not know a lot about his background. What we do know is this, that his father was Hilkiah, and his father was from the town of Anathoth in Benjamin. That, that would have been right in this area, right up in here. So we have a kind of a fix on where he was from and who his father was, but there are several Hilkiahs mentioned in the scriptures, and we're not exactly sure which Hilkiah this was. But Jeremiah is a young man. We do not know exactly how young. Uh, look, please, at verse 6. Then said, ah, 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 Lord, I cannot speak. For I am a child. Now, when he says a child, he's not talking about a baby or a toddler. He's talking about someone who does not have official age to be a prophet in Israel. Remember, he had to be age 30. He was too young to be a prophet. He knew that. But God said, I'm going to send you anyway. I'm going to send you in to speak for me. So we know he was 
under 30 at least. We don't know how young under 30. But he's a man at this time, but under age 30. So his father was, was present in the days of Josiah as well. His father would have been present. Now, why do we say that? Well, turn with me to 2 Kings for a moment, chapter 22. 2 Kings, chapter 22. Now, remember Josiah tried to reinstate godly worship in, in the uh, land of Judah. 2 Kings, chapter 22. He was also a young man, and he tried to reinstate godly worship, a worship of the Lord in Solomon's temple. At this time, Solomon's temple is in Judah, but it's in complete disarray. It's been used to worship idols. Sacrifices to idols have been made on the altar of God in Solomon's temple. The temple is still magnificent concerning its, its grandeur, but it's filthy concerning Israel's uh, worship of the living and true God there. And it falls into complete disarray. What we see uh, in uh, picking it up in uh, 2 Kings 22, and it came to pass in the 18th year of King Josiah that the king sent Shaphan, uh, Azaliah, and the son of Mishuelam, and the scribe, into the house of the Lord. Go up to Hilkiah the priest. Do you get that? Hilkiah the priest. Go up to Hilkiah the high priest that he may reckon the amount of silver which is brought into the house of the Lord, which the keepers of the door have gathered of the people. And let them deliver it unto the hand of the doers of the work who have the oversight of the house of the Lord, and let them give it to the doers of the work who are in the house of the Lord to repair the breaches of the house, and the carpenters and the builders and the masons, and to buy timber and hew stones to repair the house." So Hilkiah was a high priest. What kind of high priest was he? Apparently not a very good one. Apparently he wasn't a very good one. Well, why do I say that? Well, look at verse uh, 7. Howbeit there was no reckoning made with them of the money that was delivered unto the hand because they dealt faithfully. So they were using what they, they should be using, the, all these builders. However, in verse 8, and Hilkiah the high priest said unto Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan, and he read it. Shaphan, of course, delivers it to Josiah, and you know the rest of that story. But if this is the same Hilkiah that uh, Jeremiah talks about in Jeremiah chapter 1, this was his father, and he was the son of the high priest that was in the nation of Israel. And his father was not a great man. I found the book of the law. Weren't you even looking for it? Didn't you even go into the temple? What have you been teaching the people all this time? What have you been doing, sir? But if it's not him, then I'll meet him in heaven, and I'll sit there and listen to what he has to say. But it might be that this was his father, Hilkiah, the high priest. Now head back with me to Joshua now again. I'm sorry, Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 1. If this was that Hilkiah, 
then we have a descendant, Jeremiah, who's now going to take the place of prophet, and he's going to prophesy to the very same people that his father was a high priest of. In verse 2, uh, verse 3, it came to pass in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, unto the end of the 11th year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, unto the carrying away of Jerusalem captive in the fifth month. So we have a number of kings mentioned here. Of course, some of them are uh, also known as, and we won't take time to get into all that because it will detract from our study, also known as. Realize that, that not all the kings go by the name. Now, why? Well, because in the process, some of them are godless kings, and God changes the name, and some of them, their names were changed by other kings. So we won't take a great deal of time with that, but recognize that he was, uh, from Josiah, his beginning, to Zedekiah uh, was not his end. Zedekiah was captured, and he was taken to Babylon, and his sons, he was, by the way, and I, we, well, let's look at that, please. I, I think it's, it's important for us to see. Go with me to 2 Kings chapter 24. 2 Kings chapter 24. Zedekiah was a puppet king that was set up by Nebuchadnezzar after the first um, attack on the nation of Israel. And remember, that's when Daniel and the other prophets were taken with him. We're in 2 Kings chapter 24. Let's start right in verse 17. And the king of Babylon made... Mathaniah, his father's brother, king of Israel, and, charged, and changed his name to Zedekiah. So this is the Zedekiah spoken about by uh, Jeremiah. Now, Jeremiah doesn't stop prophesying when Zedekiah is taken. He continues prophesying even unto the destruction of the temple, and even when the men and the, of the land are taken into captivity up into Babylon, and even beyond that when some of them head down into Egypt. Uh, Jeremiah continues to prophesy all the way through. And he was given an option, and you'll read this in your study of Jeremiah. He was given an option by Nebuchadnezzar himself, saying, do you want to stay in Judah, or would you rather go to Babylon with us? And he picks Judah. He stays in Judah. Very interesting, and we'll see that in your reading together. But let's continue on, please, in verse 18. And Zedekiah was 21 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem, verse 19. And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, according to all Jehoiakim had done. For through, uh, for through the anger of the Lord it came to pass in Jerusalem and Judah until he was cast and cast them out in his presence, and Zedekiah rebelled against the king of Babylon. So Zedekiah is set up by the king of Babylon as a puppet king, but after a while he must have started feeling his, his oats, if you would. Hey, I'm a king now. I don't have to listen to you. Oh, yes, you do. <laughs> yes, you have to listen to me. So what happened? Well, a Bab uh, uh, the king comes back and takes Zedekiah captive through his general. Pick it up in verse, chapter 25 and verse 1. And it came to pass in the ninth year of his reign, in the tenth month of the tenth day of the month, that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came, he and all his hosts against Jerusalem, and encamps against it, and they built forts against round about it, because Zedekiah had set up some defenses. 
and the city was besieged until the 11th year of King Zedekiah. And on the ninth day of the fourth month, the famine prevailed in the city, and there was no bread for the people of the land. And the city was broken up, and all the men of war fled by night by the way of the gates between two walls, which is by the king's garden. So here's the men that are supposed to be protecting the, the city of Jerusalem. Apparently all the people were in the city now, behind the city walls that were established by David and later on expanded by uh, Solomon. And all the people were in the city, just like it happened in what we know to be the, uh, the time period between the Testaments, uh, when, um, when uh, the, the general, uh, Titus Vespasian, came from uh, Rome to destroy Jerusalem, and all the people were inside of the Temple Mount. And that's what was happening here. And the city was broken up, notice, and all the, all the soldiers ran away. How would you like that? You call the police to come and help you, and there's, there's a whole bunch of police all around you, and then some bad guys come, and they all run away. And that's what happened. The army ran away. They snuck out, if you would, to get away from Nebuchadnezzar. And the army of the Chaldeans pursued the king and overtook him. The king even ran. Imagine that. He, he runs into the Arabah. What is that? Well, he ran from uh, Jerusalem proper, which is right here. He ran down into this area, into the desert area. He just ran away, and Nebuchadnezzar caught him. And notice in verse, uh, uh, verse 6, So they took the king and brought him to the king of Babylon at Riblah, and they pronounced sentence upon him. And they slew the sons of Zedekiah before his eyes. Think about it. Think about what that must have been like to witness them killing uh, your sons. And then what did they do? They put his eyes out. They pulled out, poked out his very eyes. The last thing he saw is his sons murdered because of him. Because of him. We could blame the king of Babylon, obviously, but Zedekiah was the man responsible for rebelling against Babylon, and he was the one responsible for the death of his own children and eventually uh, his own death. And then we'll see how the temple was destroyed and cut up a, a little bit later on. So when Zedekiah is brought to Babylon, that's not the end of Jeremiah. Jeremiah now witnesses the complete and total destruction of Solomon's temple, the most glorious temple that has ever existed on the face of the earth. God says it was magnificent in his word, everything overlaid with gold, the most ornate carvings that man could ever produce under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So these weren't only artisans, great painters, great sculptors, great carvers, uh, tinsmiths, metalsmiths, uh, goldsmiths. These weren't all, only the greatest men that, that, could, uh, that ever lived to produce these, but the Spirit of God empowered them to make it that much better. And Jeremiah is going to live long enough to see the totality of destruction in the nation of Israel and all that will be left is just a few older people, weak and firm, people who cannot and will not be able to, to uh, fend for themselves. By way of application, 
that will be the same thing that will take place in the great tribulation period. Same thing. When we are taken from the earth to be with him, all that will be left upon the earth will be a weak humanity. And they'll need a king, won't they? And Satan will provide that king. Satan will provide that king. And in the great tribulation period, the destruction of planet Earth will begin to take place in what we know to be the great tribulation and the judgments thereof. So back with me to Jeremiah. We only have a couple minutes together, if we could, please. Back with me to Jeremiah. So Jeremiah now has been commissioned by the Lord. And we know when he reigned and how he reigned. We'll pick it up again if in verse 4. Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the womb, I knew thee. And before thou camest out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nation. So God speaks first to Jeremiah. Now, we don't know if God has spoken to Jeremiah prior to this. This is with an audible voice. Some men have been blessed enough to hear God's audible voice. And Jeremiah, of course, was one of them. Moses, of course, and, and others along the way. But very few prophets really heard the living voice of God. But God speaks with Jeremiah, and he says something that is absolutely mind-boggling. Before there was conception, I knew you. Isn't that great? That's said a couple times in the scriptures. One, with John the baptizer, and one, the apostle Paul as well. That God ordained these men right from the womb. Right directly from the womb. I knew you. I knew who you were. I knew what you were going to do. I knew where I was going to send you, to whom, and I knew what they would do after you did it. I knew everything about you. Continue on. Then I said, oh, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. Now, why did he say that? Why would he say such a thing? Well, first of all, he probably was not of age to be a priest, age 30. And furthermore, I think he had some kind of thought about what his job was going to be. Job description. It's not going to be a good one. Now, I do not know that for sure. I'm just assuming that. We had a couple more people, right, that were involved with that. One whom I can think of was Moses. Moses said, I can't speak very well. <laughs> yes, you can. You're going. No, no, I can't speak very well. Okay, I'll send Aaron, but you're still going. You tell Aaron what to say. He'll say it, but you're still going. So the Lord said unto him, but the Lord said unto him, Say not that I am a child, for thou shalt go to this people that I send thee, and you will speak whatever I command thee. That's what you'll speak. So God now ordains him to accomplish his perfect will. You, you are the man that I want to send, and I will send you. And here's, here's what Jeremiah heard from the Lord. Now, I would not want to hear this. I remember when Nancy and I were coming here uh, to, to speak for the first time. Uh, we, in, uh, this was 35, 30-some-odd 30, 30 years ago. The first time we were coming, we didn't know anyone. All we knew was there was a church here, and they had asked us to come and speak. Now, 
When we got here, there were friendly faces, and it was wonderful, and we were so glad about that. But if God said to, to me, back in Massachusetts, when you get there, I don't want you to be afraid of their face. Maybe, Lord, you ought to ask someone else. What God said is these people are going to attempt to do you harm. These people are not going to like you. Don't be afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Now, what has God told us? Well, you could go to the Great Commission, could you not? And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. So Jeremiah was commissioned to go, and the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. No studying for this guy. Uh, God just gave him his word that he would speak exactly what God wanted him to speak, exactly when. And who was he going to speak to? See, I have set thee this day over kings, over nations, and over kingdoms. Nations. He would literally be a judge of the Chaldean nation when he spoke. He would literally be a judge of the nation of Israel when he spoke. And what was to be his message? I want you to notice there are four negative and two positive. He says, I have set thee over kingdoms to root out, to pull down, to destroy, and to throw down. I want you to throw down their complacency. I want you to pull down their false gods. I want you to expose them for what they're doing. Why? So that they might repent and I might bless them. Why? Because he wanted to build up and to plant something. He wanted to do God's will. He wanted to build up. He wanted to plant. He wanted him to accomplish God's will. But first, Jeremiah had to bring the information of damnation. Now, when he said, I have set thee over nations and over kings, did he not say something similar to the Apostle Paul? I want to use you, Paul. I'm going to use you. And you shall stand before kings. And he did. And he did. And so when we get further into Jeremiah now, we're going to see the warnings. And I, I, I just trust God will bless your heart with this. He has so much, uh, bless mine, with my studies through here again. I, again, I owe all of this to a pastor in New England who 35-plus years ago uh, taught on the book of Jeremiah, and he so enriched my heart that I've never forgotten the lessons that he taught. And Lord willing, I'll be able to transfer some of this along with other things to you so that you'll be blessed by this wonderful book of Jeremiah. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the blessed word of God. Thank you for a man like Jeremiah. Lord, we see the southern kingdoms weren't what they were supposed to be. And you brought your end of the contract to bear. They said that they would not obey you, and you brought judgment. Father, help us to recognize, to realize that you say that one day we shall all stand before the Bema seat, the judgment seat of Christ, and shall give an account for the things done in our body, whether they were good or whether they were useless. Father, we know your word comes to pass. None of it falls on the ground. You, uh, you will keep what you have said. Help us as New Testament Christians to recognize that. Not to be concerned because there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, but to recognize there's a day of reckoning coming when we will stand before you and give account. Father, help us to do it with joy 
and not with a broken heart. Help us to do it by your grace, through your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.